Well, hello everybody. This is Ken Himmler and welcome back to another episode of the Wiser Money Show. We've got some good things planned for you today, especially with what has been going on in the banking industry, with the financial markets, with the interest rates. So let's cover a couple things. We won't wait. Number one, we're going to talk about inflation. Number two, we're going to talk about stock market. Three, the Secure Act 2.0. Yes, oxymoron, kind of like Obama Affordable Care, right? And then we're going to finally get into a new econ map version 2023.2. Okay, let's talk about inflation for a second. Uh, we've talked about this before. Inflation is not five or six or seven percent. If you saw how the government actually computes inflation, you would understand that it's closer to 10 to 11 percent as a good estimate. Uh, it depends on where you are, right? It could be 11 and a half to 12 percent, depending upon what part of the country you're in. 8 to 10% increase in Social Security coming down the line. But that will also have some negative consequences because as your income rises on Social Security, don't forget, they're going to take half of that Social Security and determine if your total income exceeds a, a ceiling and then tax your Social Security and it could increase your brackets on everything else. Inflation will continue until we start to see the savings per capita is reduced until we start to see them, the government stop giving away free money. So interest rates on the uprise, but unfortunately, we knew this. We talked about this months ago, years ago, uh, when, when we saw, well, two years ago, meaning 2021, when we saw the, the uh, 19, 19, 19, 19, 20 flu epidemic repeating itself again, the pandemic that happened 100 years ago. When people went out, we talked about this, they, they got out of jail, if you would. They got out of this lockdown and they went to start to spend money like it was going out of style. And when you do that and you don't want to go to work and now the government adds in additional free money, well, you're going to get inflation. Can't stop that. Well, the feds, they want to get inflation back to 2% by continuing, continuing to increase interest rates. As I've said before, it's not going to work because as they keep giving free money out, you're going to collapse certain banking systems, certain financial systems, but people will continue to spend money. It has had a little bit of an effect. I mean, housing starts are down. Uh, some of the resales and the turnovers on flips are down. The number of new car sales are down. So it has the in increase in interest has a, a dramatic effect. Now we just need that supply chain to catch up with it, right? So the estimates are back in 2022, uh, December, it was going to go up by a quarter point. They were estimating that the feds here in the first quarter of 23 were going to go up 1%. But then SVB Bank collapsed, Regions Bank collapsed. And it was the, the original prediction that the feds, now the people that were estimating what the feds were going to increase it by in January 2022 did happen. But we may see a tapering off of some of that interest just to prevent more of the bleeding. Now, again, here we go with the free money. The government bails out SVB and Regions Bank and says, doesn't matter how much money you have in those banks, the federal government is just going to step in and bail them out. We are in this era of the government doing for people instead of the people doing for themselves and having a government to support it. So this is some dangerous times as far as predictions of what's going to happen. But if we just look at the repeat in history and we look at human nature, I think we're on a pretty good beat here. 
So the interest increases take time for people to run out of money. We're not even close to there. We're only about two to three months into that effect, and now we've still got a six to nine month wait, what we call actualization, and real estate even longer, 12 to 24 months. But we got to stop the free money going out, okay? I mean, there was this recent study that you see on your screen which says that, or uh, let me rephrase, when asked, the majority of the people that were going to have their student loans forgiven would just spend that extra money on travel and entertainment. So it's great for the media to go to those people that say, I can't afford to buy groceries because my student loan is too high. But the fact of the matter is a majority of them, they're paying their bills, they're paying the government back, but when they, when they don't, it's just gonna fall on the taxpayers. No different than when the government bails out the banks, who pays for it? It's the best form of socialism ever. The government hands it out and everybody pays for it. Housing, well, let's take a look at housing starts are down, housing flips are over, meaning the turnover. Uh, everything is going down, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean that inflation is going down. You have to have a change in prices. Cars are not decreasing. Housing prices have not decreased enough. Very slight changes. So let's, I wanna to get to something else here because I had a really good question by a client of ours. And he said, you know, years ago, you taught us that three bucket system. And I love that because he's telling me this, you'd split up the money into three buckets. Each bucket has a certain volatility ratio or rating. And then you spend the first bucket down because it has very little volatility. And I'm gonna show you something that really was enlightening that he shared with me. And I needed to do a little bit better explanation on the three buckets. So the stock market, let's take a look at that because this will segue into the discussion on three buckets. So right now, if we look at the S&P 500 year to date, we're still up 3.3%, not too bad. However, now we look at one year and this is where people miss the mark. If you have 10 years to leave the money in the stock market, this one year has no bearing on that. However, because the financial institutions, the banks, the custodians, uh, the financial advisors that are out there that are using this Monte Carlo simulation, now you'll know that you've had this done to you if you've gone to a financial advisor and they say, well, we've run this through our system and we can give you an 85% assurance that you'll make it to death without running out of money. Well, the problem with that is, is it doesn't account for you investing in the short term and having huge dissipation of your assets because you have to take cash flow out in the short term. What it doesn't account for is what's called the negative sequence of events. Sounds like a Hollywood movie, doesn't it? What that means is that in your first year, two years, three years of retirement, what happens if the market drops 20, 30%? And that is how you've structured your plan because the, the financial advisors love just saying, but your average rate of return is 8%. Your average rate of return is 9%. Well, it is, but after a 10-year period of time. And again, that's why when we look at stocks, and you can see this, well, maybe you're listening to the podcast and you can't see it, but what it's showing is that the S&P 500, as of the date of this recording on March 20th, 2023, 
is down 11.42% uh, for one year. And what this means is that if you were depending upon this pot of money for your retirement, you'd be disappointed because you'd be out of money if you kept at that rate. Now, if I look over five years though, now five years, I have a 52% increase each year average over five years, not the last year and a half, but average over the last five years. This is where we're gonna get into the bucket. And the reason I'm showing you this is because I am continually getting questions such as, well, my gosh, is my money safe in the bank? Are you kidding me? They just bailed out people that only had $250,000 in FDIC insurance, and they bailed them out for $81 million. The feds did, the federal government. So is your money safe in the bank? Well, as long as those goofballs in Washington can keep printing money, yeah. Now, the value of your money and the inflationary effect on that, I can't comment. But this is why I'm showing you this, is that I'm not worried about the banks collapsing. Not at all. I'm not worried about the financial markets collapsing. What people don't understand is the silent killer in your finances is investing in the wrong things at the wrong times and trying to depend upon those for cash flow. And number two is not paying attention to inflation. For goodness sakes, right now, cash is trash. I love these people who say, oh no, cash is king until the market. No, no, no. If you sit your money in a money market or whatever it is at 1% or 2% and inflation's cranking out at 7 or 8 or 9%, no, that's the re most ridiculous thing in the world. Now, if you have a short-term need, we can even get T-bills for 5%. We can get now annuities for 6% on a short-term basis. So to leave money sitting at 1% is insane. But there are reasons why we have these buckets. So there are three buckets. Each bucket corresponds to a five-year period, and each bucket holds certain investments, and those investments have certain historical volatility characteristics. So if you're listening to this on a podcast, I'll go through it with you. If you're watching this on screen, it's a little bit easier. But what we'll do is we'll explain this one to five year bucket. In that bucket, you have money markets, short term bonds, you have tips and you have I bonds. These are also any kind of government security. Now, again, right now, because this yield curve is wonky, you do not want anything longer than six to nine months in a government security. But they are paying 5% and short term annuities are now paying up to six. So if you look at the characteristics in bucket one, very little volatility. Now we're going to jump into bucket number two. Now bucket number two, five to 10 years. And for those of you that are clients of ours, you'll notice that we did something very unique. Probably the first time in about 20 years, we removed or reduced, depending upon what model you're in, almost all long-term bonds because that doesn't make sense right now. If you can earn two to three times that on a short-term bond, it doesn't make sense to take the risk of the longer-term bond. But they do usually fall into that five to 10-year category. So you got intermediate-term bonds, insured notes, preferred stocks, convertibles, and high-ranking dividend blue chips. Now, this is where we're going to get into bucket three, and then I'm going to go back to bucket two, because bucket one and bucket three, they're actually the easiest ones to manage. Bucket two, now that's the black sheep. That's the one that kind of gets away from you if you don't understand it. All right, now bucket number three, you have real estate, you have REITs, you have stocks, you have covered calls. You have a lot of different things that are considered much longer term types of investments. 
Why do we split it up this way? Well, because if you're trying to take money out, you don't want to take money out from bucket three. So how do we do it? Well, what we do is we pay out bucket one in the first five years. Why do we do that? Because bucket one has very little volatility. So if, as an example, that graph I just showed you where the S&P 500 was down 11.5%, if you tried to follow the financial advisor's recommendations, well, just buy mutual funds and, oh, we have a 60-40 split and whatever else the, the, the garbage is that they're producing right now just to sell more mutual funds or variable annuities, I don't know what it is, but you're going to take that loss. And then when you start taking money, from those areas, you're going to have what's called reverse compound interest. Your money will deplete faster because you're taking it out when it is at a loss. So we don't want to do that. We want to take it out from areas that don't have that kind of loss. So what we're going to do is we're going to take money out of the bucket, number one, for the first five years. When that money runs out, now remember, we haven't touched bucket two or bucket three. It just sits there. Now, after that money runs out, then we're going to turn into bucket number three. Now again, bucket number one is gone, bucket number two has been growing, and this is where we're going to get into this explanation, and bucket number three is growing. Now, going back to this, this is where the question was brought up. Okay, Ken, I understand the buckets. Now, if I take, if I run out of that bucket number one in five years, am I just taking bucket number two and I'm completely selling everything and then buying everything that was in bucket number one? The answer is no. What we're doing is we're taking a look at what's in bucket number two. And that may be intermediate term bonds. It may be some longer government bonds, like three to five year bonds. It may be some preferreds. It may be blue chip stocks. So look, you have like a bucket within a bucket. And we don't have to worry about that for bucket number one, but when we get to bucket number two, we start distributing. The first area we start distributing is the area that has the least volatility. That might be a government bond or a shorter intermediate term bond. And so we don't technically take it and replace bucket number one. We let it continue to grow. Now, when we get to year 10, though, this is where it does change. When we get to year 10 and bucket number one and bucket number two are empty, now, what we do is we start splitting it up and we move it back into the three buckets again. And now we can start distributing it again. And I wanted to bring this up because I can see where this client came from. Well, do we do that with bucket number two? The answer is no. It's bucket number one gets paid out first. Bucket number two, you, you sit there and you pay out from the least volatile uh, areas first and then you turn into bucket number three. Now, part of what I'm showing you here is only applicable if you're in what I call the distribution phase. Now, if you're in the accumulation phase, you want to do just the opposite. And then five years before retirement, you want to start splitting those buckets up. So if you're in the accumulation phase, you want to dump as much money as you can into bucket number three. That's the 10-year bucket. But if you are in the distribution phase, then you're going to follow the opposite method and you're going to take money from bucket one and then two and then three. Again, only if you're in the distribution mode. Okay, now let's get back to this market 
and this insanity that creates fear and panic and a lot of bad decisions. And it creates reactionary decisions. People want to sell. Get me out of the market. You know, put me in cash. And this is a very dangerous emotion because it's not based upon any kind of long-term plan. It's based upon a short-term emotion and based upon media. And I find that the people that make the worst emotional financial decisions are those that also are most watching the media. And again, media's got to keep you hooked. So if it's doom and gloom, we all know that people will watch something nine times faster if it's doom and gloom than they will if it's something positive. But don't let that make an effective decision, or I should say, an effective decision on your retirement plan. Now, I've heard this. Sell because the market's going down. Okay, I've heard this one. I just heard this one. We've never been in this environment before. Well, I'd beg to argue with you on that one because this is what I do. I'm a financial historian. I look at what has happened in the past. I look at how psychology has affected people. I look at the dynamics. We have been in this situation many, many times. Very, very uh, constant. This is just going to cycle. If you don't believe me, here's something to do. Go on Google and Google Time Magazine covers for 100 years, last 100 years. You will find every three to five years, financial calamity hits, the world's coming to an end, and then you get out. And then the financial institutions take advantage of you selling at a low amount, and then it goes up, and it doubles, and it triples, and then you regret it. And you'll say, I'll never do that again. Yet, humans are habit creatures, and we do it again. And you even see this one. Oh, the media says, this is going to be the decade of loss. Well, the decade of loss is keeping money in cash when there's 7 and 8% inflation. And remember who's producing this stuff. I don't want you to forget the whole 2020 Bill Ackman move, right? Remember, he's the guy that's uh, the hedge fund manager that called the uh, Chicken Little, the, the sky's falling in, the sky's falling in, and people sold by the billions at the same time he was shorting the market. And if you don't know what that means, it just means that you're betting against the market going down. If you're right, you can cash in. And he sure did. He spent about $25 million and turned it into over $4 billion. Not too bad for creating fear and, you know, what do they say, calling fire in a uh, theater, right? So smart decisions. Smart decisions say you control what you can't control. You can control how much you have in cash and how it is affected by inflation. You are going to lose, guaranteed, if you keep money in cash and things that do not keep up with inflation. And the other thing that you can control is the amount of income tax that you pay. You Legally, don't get any ideas there. I know some people, I've had them come up to me when I was out public speaking, the craziest things that they would suggest that they could do tax-wise. I'm saying, legally, you can take advantage of all the tax laws that are out there and you can reduce the tax. So if you don't get buried by inflation and you can reduce your tax, you have a chance of beating the financial system. So the key indicator changes. Well, we, you know, we had home sales down 25%, new home sales down 25% in October. Personal savings rate. Now this is one of the keys if you've been listening to me for any period of time. 
that personal savings rate is the right direction to a flattening and then an explosion. So we're going from 6% down to 2%. It's literally repeating what the 1921 flu epidemic pattern was. Personal debt per capita increased by 21%. That is huge. Again, repeating the flu epidemic. Not in the same percentage, same pattern. Interest rates for mortgages increased to 7%. Everybody's flipping out. Remember, they've been 7%. We only had about a 10-year period of time where they dumped down because of 2008. Where, but the increase, and here's the kicker, the increase in values of property is going to just going to send off the value in property taxes and insurance. It's going to be hard for a lot of people to keep up with that. And remember, the 2008 crash was due to the banks. And the 2024 recession is going to be due to government-free money. But we can still control inflation on our money and the taxes and how we actually stay alive here. So let's look at my new econ map. Now we got version 2023, version two. I made some adjustments here. And let's pull in our little legend here. And we're gonna talk about the stock market. So if you've been following this show for the last three years now, back in 2020, we called about 81% accuracy within months on the market movements. Uh, all of that is on YouTube. You can go back and look at to where my predictions of the market would go. I didn't give exact percentages, but it was pretty close. Now, what I'm saying here is that in 2022, the market is going to dump. It did. This is, an, this is what happened. Go back and look at the the YouTube videos that I did. And what I do see now though, is I see employment productivity. If you've been out to a restaurant, a store, called any service people, it is 90% of people are not listening. They're not doing their jobs. You go to a, wait, to a restaurant. My wife and I just computed nine times out of the last 10 times they got our orders completely wrong completely wrong. They're not listening. They're not. It's just a mess. The productivity in our country has just gone awry. Inflation has gone up. Interest rates are going up even more, but I think they're going to wait on the panic button a little bit until the banking crisis holds out. Well, what we saw in 21 is we saw a real estate shortage and low rates. Now what we're going to see is high rates, and we got a lot, a lot of millions of homes that are either being rehabbed or in process along with apartments, and they're not done yet. And that is going to create a glut. Now that's not bad, especially if you're a real estate investor, because that's what you want. You want an oversupply of houses, and you want high rates, because this way people can't afford to buy them, and then sellers have to dump them. And this is where you can go in and buy apartment buildings. You can buy multifamily homes. You can buy Airbnb rentals. This is where the market really opens up, okay? So the circle of opportunity that I'm estimating is back the same as it was before. That's not the change. It's towards the end of this year into 2024 is the real estate market. Now, what I put up in version two is this blue block, and this shows what the banking crisis is. And the banking crisis is going to affect the volatility because it affects people's psychology. And that's gonna happen all the way until probably the first quarter of 2024. So. Buckle your seatbelts because it's going to be a wild ride based upon day-to-day -day what people's emotions are. 
So our estimated actions, uh, Secure Act 2.0 is here, must change your trusts. And between June and October of this year, watch that debt ratio per capita. That's a big one. And watch rates as they apply to saving rates and reserve decreases. Here's a big one. This year, redo your cash flow analysis, your risk testing. Make sure that you do not have that risk that if that atypical market dumps in the first two years, and I'm wrong, that you're going to be holding the bag and not be able to retire and have to go back to work. Okay. Now, for those of you that watched this show about a month and a half ago, I stated that, it's on recording, you can go back and watch it, I stated that we would be making some equity allocations changes. We would be reducing some equity allocations, moving out of some longer term bonds to shorter term bonds, increasing the tips, and we did that. We did that last Thursday. And so we were right on target for those of you that said, Ken, why aren't you buying tips? I'm not going to buy tips in a guaranteed increase interest rate environment. However, now that we've seen this banking collapse will cause a little hold steady by the feds, we went and allocated to the tips. So if you look over the last year, if we would have allocated when everybody was saying, you need to allocate to tips, put money into tips, they're down over 11.5% in value. 11.5%. Again, we're going to buy bonds in an interest increasing interest rate environment. So we have made those changes. Actions to take right now. It's the big one is Secure Act 2.0. You got to make sure your trust is up to date. Got to make sure those RMDs are set in place. Automate as much as you can. Now with this new chat GPT and everything is going AI, there's no reason that you got to spend a lot of time. We can actually help you with that. Uh, we can actually connect accounts. We can get uh, budgets automated. We can get alerts automated. You shouldn't, with all the robotics and AI that's out there, you shouldn't have to spend a lot of time to plan out your future. Compute your cash needs. Second time I said that, but it's important that you compute your cash needs. Don't invest in real estate yet. I'm a huge real estate advocate, and we're lining them up. We're, we're lining the, you know, the balls would come over the home plate here in about six months to a year but just not yet, it's not there yet. Uh, personal and transactional real estate, hey, that might be a job, a change for health reasons, whatever it is. Next, don't keep money in cash. Cash is trash right now, do not do it. And the reason is, is that when inflation is seven or 8% and you got one or two, listen, I remember I was, I was around practicing there back in the 80s when people would say, oh, I remember those days when, you know, CDs were paying 12 to 14%. Yeah, well, that's when inflation was 18. Okay, so let's remember both sides of it. Make sure you've got some audit protection and make sure that your books and records are clean because the IRS is on a warpath. And use rolling ETFs to capture the uptick in rates. All right, well, that's it for today's Wiser Money Show. On your screen now, you'll see a shot of our YouTube page. If you want to be notified each time we do a video, because we'll do some Wiser Money broadcast on the economics, but we're gonna start now doing off the cuff ones when we see things that you need to know and you need to act on. And all you gotta do is hit that subscribe. Now, when you're in your YouTube, you're gonna see a little bell. So a lot of times people will say, well, listen, I'm subscribed, but I don't get notified. Well, it's okay to subscribe, but you gotta look for that little bell. Just click on the little bell and says, notify me when there's new videos on this page, and then you'll be notified. Hey, this is Ken Himmler. Thanks for joining me today. And if you have any questions, give us a call, 
702-1040. We'll see you next time.